Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. After Think's founder dramatically left her company amid sexual harassment allegations, Maria Molland came in to save it. Thinks is disrupting the feminine hygiene space with their special underwear, and Maria Molland wants to turn it into a $300 million underwear empire. And I am delighted to have Maria join me on this podcast. Hi, Maria. Hi. Thanks for having me. How long have you been with with Thinks now? Almost two years. So talk to me about why you decided to get involved with this company. You saw sort of the uh, all of the allegations swirling. They needed a CEO. The company was in trouble. Why did you think you'd be the right person to come in and turn things around? Well, I was a customer um, from 2015, and I absolutely love the product. Um, and, and then in 2016, I gave birth to my daughter, my first child, and I had four years of IVF um, before I was able to um, have a child. Mm. And during that process, I learned just a ton about reproductive health, the toxins in tampons and pads, and I really wanted to be involved in a company that I thought was changing the world for the better for women and girls. And so I had a list of five companies that I thought were doing that, um, and I think was really top of the list. And so the board actually approached me uh, two days after I gave birth to my daughter, <laughs> uh, which was in December of 2016, and I started interviewing. And I will say the press hit a few months later around uh, the then CEO, and uh, I was you know, concerned around, you know, what that meant for the company. But, you know, I kind of got over it because I just love the product so much and I love the mission. And then I met the team and I looked at the financials and, you know, it was pretty hard to pass up. All of those um, things were just astoundingly good. And it's been a really great um, experience thus far. So for people who are unfamiliar, your products um, actually do away with the need for any uh, feminine hygiene products like tampons or pads because you can in essence, bleed right into these underwear and then go wash them and reuse them, right? That's right. And is that the only product? You have, you have other product lines now. We do. So we have Icon, which is for similar technology, but it's for bladder leaks. Um, and then we have Thinks Between, which basically has the same technology as Thinks, but it's for young um, teens, basically, so ages 8 to 16. You know, I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet, but but people have probably told you about it. Amy Schumer mentioned your mm-hmm. company during her right. new Netflix uh, comedy concert. Uh, what did did you see that? Have you seen that clip? And what did you think about it? Oh yeah, <laughs> talk uh, about free advertising. Like was, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We are going through um, a fundraise right now, and I literally, as I listened to it, thought she was doing my pitch. So, <laughs> um, it was it was really well done. Uh, We'd love to have her as a spokesperson. So, Amy, if you're listening, um, and <laughs> you never know. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, it was it was truly uh, amazing. It's really it's wonderful to be a part of a company that is changing people's lives, whether they be celebrities or not. Mm-hmm. And we did see uh, an increase, you know, a significant increase in traffic coming from people searching for our name and for period underwear. And so, you know, obviously our belief is that having greater brand awareness of the category and brand awareness of things. Um, even if people don't purchase right away, um, get starting to educate them on you know how the product works and how it can really solve a problem is obviously you know a big chunk of um, what we're trying to do over the next few years. Amazing, the power of media and entertainment. Meaning Schumer mentioned That's your right. company for I th- maybe twenty seconds out of her one hour concert, but yeah. you're saying that you you got a bump up in in traffic, a significant bump up, a significant yes. 
Wow. Um, she also talked about uh, how she got into that whole bit was she was talking about sort of the, the stereotypes and the negativity surrounding uh, a woman's menstrual period, which is pretty much the most natural thing that can happen mm-hmm. for a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, do you yeah. think that our culture is changing the way we think about it? Are, you have a daughter. I have a daughter as well. Are, you know, how are we going to talk about this when it's th- when it's their time? Because I remember it happening for me, and, and I'm sure it was a generational thing, but it was sort of like, you know, oh, you've got your friend. Now let's not talk about it, right? We would all, we yeah. refer to it as, oh, she's got her friend. Yeah, yeah. I think it's changing significantly, and, you know, part of that is just because of the um, you know, rise of women and um, the Me Too movement and a feeling that, you know, everything around being a woman, we don't have to be embarrassed about. It's certainly been a very slow change, but I think we've seen a, a, a very much an increase in that change over the last few years. And, you know, we think a lot about the younger demographic, so the young girls and the young boys, and how we can start to educate them around how natural periods are. And I think it's really important, so you noticed that I mentioned young boys, because if you get boys to think of this um, as a very natural thing, because it is, that's the reason they they are on this planet as well, mm-hmm. it really helps women in the end because a lot of young girls, they get embarrassed about their periods because the boys think it, you know, is embarrassing. So that's a very much a part of the curriculum we're actually putting together as part of our give back um, where we go into uh, schools that are below the poverty line and start um, teaching about reproductive health to both young girls and young boys. That's wonderful. Talk to me about, um, I mean, Thinks is a privately held company, but to the extent that you can, talk to me about the financials and, and is Thinks uh, profitable yet? Yeah, so um, we have grown tremendously over our lifespan thus far. We were started in 2014. Uh, we closed out the year last year close to $50 million in revenue. Uh, we have been brand building over the last few years, and so have a goal of um, moving towards more profitability, I'd say, in like three to five years, right, because we really, we really need to grow the category. And that's what's really interesting about Thinks and you know we have a few competitors, but they are much smaller. And so we're not only you know growing the brand awareness for Thinks, but we're growing the brand awareness for the category, right? Mm-hmm. And so that takes money, that takes um, both brand dollars, education dollars. We're moving into more of the omni-channel environment, opening up um, retail stores, adding um, partnerships with wholesale partners such as Nordstrom, which we launched in. January. Mm -hmm. And all that takes money, right? And so uh, we are um, planning on raising money over the next, you know, six months to nine months. And the goal is to use those proceeds to do those things that I just mentioned. You know, as a as a woman led company and the woman and the and things was also founded by by a female. uh, Where are you finding your funding? Because we we had a person on the podcast recently, uh, CEO of a company called Women in Tech, and she holds this mm-hmm. women's startup challenge every year. And we were talking about how just a little over 2% of all VC money goes toward women-led companies. And I'm just curious what your experience has been as you are now out, out there and actively trying to raise money. Yeah. Well, I think if you're at the early um, stages of a company, it's 
harder um, because uh, there aren't many women VCs, right? The number is something like 7%. And, uh, you know, I know when the previous founders were out trying to raise money, they had a difficult time because uh, especially men just really don't understand um, our product. So they would always just uh, kind of respond with, oh, I'll talk to my wife about this. I'll talk to my girlfriend (laughs) around this, Um, which, you know, obviously um, can be a challenge when you need so you need an investor to be you know super excited about this kind of on their own, sure. and um, so it made a lot harder for them to raise money at an earlier stage. I think that's changing. So um, Broadsheet actually just put out some stats this morning around women um, venture capitalists and how they're starting to increase at seed, at seed and Series A, and mm-hmm. the, they're backing a lot of women entrepreneurs. So I think that's a positive trend. It certainly needs to change even faster. Mm-hmm. At later stages, which I would argue were you know kind of in between venture and private equity at this stage, even though we raised very little money, um, you know, it is much more of a question of whether or not you have the numbers to match up to the investor's criteria, right? So mm-hmm. certain types of growth rates, certain types of profitability. Um, and so it becomes less about whether or not you're a woman and man or a woman or a man is kind of my impression. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, at those uh, those stages, when you're talking private equity, I mean, the numbers of women in private equity is just dramatically lower. I don't know the stats, but Broadsheet, mm-hmm. I think we're going to mention it's like 2 3%, right? So finding a woman in private equity that you can talk to is even actually harder than finding a woman in an, um, an earlier stage venture capital. So, you know, that, that makes it a bit more challenging, but because of the focus on the numbers, um, you know, if you have a business that has great unit economics like we do, um, it does make it a little easier. Okay. Uh, Talk to me about um, where we can find the product, because I know it started out online only. Now you have this partnership with Nordstrom. I believe you're in Mm -hmm. Selfridges in London. That's right. That's That's exciting. Mm -hmm. So that makes you international. Um, But what -hmm. what about other stores? And you mentioned um, retail stores. I mean, are you thinking standalone thinks retail stores or pop-up stores? Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, we are. So um, we are. I'll answer that question first. So we are, have done a series of long-term pop-ups over the last year. Uh, we did two weeks in Australia. We did three months in New York. It just closed at the end of February. And you know, we primarily use retail as this great way of enabling our customers or future customers that perhaps are on the fence as to whether or not the technology really works. They can come in. They can get their questions answered by you know salespeople that really understand um, the underwear and the brand and the mission we're trying to um, trying to achieve. And you know that they can also um, you know touch and feel and just feel like they have a stronger connection to our community just broadly, and that's really worked for us um, as part of those pop-ups. So our plan is to enter retail um, in the latter part of this year. Um, to 2020, 2021 in a small way. Like we were probably open in um, San Francisco, L.A., New York, London. Um, so, you know, that will certainly play a role in our business model going forward, but it will mostly be around brand awareness that will ultimately drive um, more revenue into the e-commerce site. Um, so that's one. And then in terms of wholesale Wholesale plays a role. Uh, we've launched in Nordstrom um, in January, and Selfridges was last year in June in the UK. And it's a great uh, third-party validation for us uh, because we have a lot of people that are kind of concerned that the product doesn't work. And so you have a brand like Nordstrom that people trust, 
and they think, okay, they've given a stamp of approval, the product must work. So even again, if they don't um, purchase in store, they will end up um, purchasing via our website. Um, and those relationships have really worked uh, very well with for us, and we're starting to expand in those um, instances. And we're talking to various different premium retailers in target countries around the world. Um, we do have a significant international business. So talk to me about the demographic, because I'd imagine this may really skew generational. Um, are you getting more younger people, the millennials, looking to buy your underwear? Is it tougher? Is it a tougher sell with the older folks? No. So our platform is basically um, spans a woman's uh, life. Uh, so we have from first period, kind of age eight, which is, you know, kind of a, a lot of girls are getting their periods now at at that age, all the way up to post-menopause, right, through our product um, icon. And so we just say that we're kind of uh, first periods to post-menopause to every leak in between. No. Um, but then in terms of, you know, how we started, yeah, we were definitely millennial. Um, our average age two years ago was age 29. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen a lot of change. Um, when we launched Things Between, which is the young teen one. Uh, We now have grown our teen audience, but we've also grown uh, our audience with the mom who's kind of 35 to 50. Mm -hmm. So they're buying things between for their daughter, but they're also buying things for themselves. And those are all new customers. How uh, How much is a pair of these underwear? Things on average is $34. It ranges from $24 for a thong to $39 for the boy short. Uh, and then for things between, it's $23 a pair um, and then $59 for a three-pack. It's like a starter pack. Mm-hmm. And Icon um, is about uh, $35. And, um, you know, that sounds kind of perhaps expensive to some of your listeners, but the average woman spends $300 a year on traditional feminine hygiene products right. in the U.S., and that equates to about eight to nine pair of our underwear. So as you can imagine, you know, you're going to be using this underwear about seven days of the, of the month. And so, you know, that enables you to, you know, seven, eight to nine pairs certainly allows you to get through the month um, without any problem. And what about competition? I mean, you are a disruptor in this space, but are is is this technology that's in the underwear patented technology? Are you already seeing some copycats? And and as CEO of this company, you always sort of have to have one eye on uh, those who are trying to gain an edge and the competition. So where do things stand right now in this space for you? Yeah, so uh, we're definitely have the strongest brand awareness. Um, so we just did a brand awareness study. So 33% of people um, know of the category broadly and know about period underwear. And then 24% of those uh, know things, right, as a as a brand. And the next nearest competitor is 4%, right? So we're a significant, um, significant leader in the space. I actually wish we had stronger competition because I think it would help us kind of grow the category and get more in people. In terms of brand awareness? Right. Yes, in terms of category awareness, right? right? Because if we we really don't have a lot of people searching for period underwear unless Amy Schumer talks about it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, if you can get more people doing that, um, I think it, you know, would obviously, it would grow our business even faster. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to for a stronger competition. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in, in terms of the patented technology, um, it's not patented 
currently, um, but that's something we're working on. Right now for Thanks, we say we are a, a replacement uh, on your light to medium days and a backup on your heavy days. But come this summer, we're coming out with a product that holds um, up to four tampons, and our current mm. product holds two tampons. And in all wear trials, you can use the product throughout the entire day. You don't have to change it. It's good. You feel completely um, odor-free and not wet. Um, and so we will be a, a complete replacement to all traditional disposables. And that um, is much more kind of leads us towards patents and mm-hmm. um, and things that will really um, differentiate us relative to the, to the competition. Exciting stuff. So, Maria, I think my advice to you is when, when we get off the phone, your next phone call should be to Amy Schumer. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Maria Mullen, a CEO of Things. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.